you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. We'll be looking at verses 25 through 33 this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33. And if you don't have a Bible, then I invite you to grab one of the pew Bibles there and turn to page 761 in the pew Bible. That's 761 in the pew Bible. And if you don't, do not have a Bible of your own, then please take that pew Bible with you, and that's our gift to you today. We want everybody to have a, have a copy of God's Word, so take that and use it for your benefit. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33. We're kind of taking a break here. We've been working through Deuteronomy, and we kind of got to a, a point where we could take a break. We finished up the historical prologue there in chapter 4. And so I figure we should take a break, maybe take a break from that while we go through the holiday seasons. And so that's what we're doing here. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33, we're looking today at overcoming anxiety through thanksgiving, through the act of thanksgiving. Uh, last night we were sitting there watching the evening news and uh, all the news, there was just this sense of anxiety in the air. Right, everybody's get anxious as, as we go into the holiday seasons, as we go into Thanksgiving, and then think about Christmas coming up right behind it. There's just this spirit of anxiety that is in the air, and, and it's marked our society these days. People are anxious about so many things. They're anxious about the about COVID or the COVID vaccine. They're anxious about the economy and and how's things going to work out. How they're going to how are you going to get all your Christmas shopping done with all the shortages? They're anxious about social issues that are going on uh, all over the place. They're anxious about politics, anxious about school, anxious about work, anxious about health and health care, anxious, 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 anxiety everywhere. But praise be to God, as Christians, we have a reason to not be anxious about anything. We have no reason to be anxious about anything because we trust in the Lord our God. We know that he is sovereign. We know he is in control and he has blessed us with so many things. There's no need for us to be anxious about anything. There's no need for you to be anxious about anything. Simply trust the Lord. And give thanks to him. You know, it's hard to be anxious when you are giving thanks to God. When you're praising him for all that he has provided you with, for all that he does for you on a daily basis. When you're giving God thanks, man, it's hard to be anxious about every other little thing in your life. So today I want us to look at this. Today I want us to see that, that you can overcome anxiety by giving thanks to God overcome anxiety this season while all the world is anxious about this that and the other overcome anxiety by giving thanks to god and today from our text i want to show you three reasons three reasons for us to to give thanks to god followed by one primary way that we do give thanks to god so three reasons why and one reason or one way to give thanks to God, the primary way that we should be giving thanks to God. Today's text uh, is a part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So it's a, a long sermon that Jesus is preaching in his day. And, and 
the verse right before this paragraph, Jesus addresses uh, worshiping possessions. And so uh, look right there before it, verse 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will have, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money or God and mammon, God and possessions. So he addresses this worship of possessions which leads to so much of our anxiety these days. And he moves to this giving thanks. So uh, if, possession, if possessions are our gods, then the lack of possessions leads to anxiety, right? And, and that's what we see so much taking place today. Therefore, let us give thanks to our God. Let us praise our God and let God be our God. So if you found your place there in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, please stand with me and reverence the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of, of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your holy, inspired and an errant word. Father, Lord, teach us today from your word. Open our eyes to see, ears to hear, and give us a heart willing to obey your word so that we might overcome anxiety in this season of anxiety. Lord, let us focus on you. Let you be our God. You be the source of our joy and happiness. Let us find our peace and rest in you this i pray in christ's name amen you may be seated so overcome anxiety by giving thanks to god if we're going to do that first of all uh, give thanks to god for his provisions of necessity uh, give thanks to god for his provision of the necessities of life uh, that's one of the big points that Jesus makes in this text. 
He's asking, why are you so anxious, right? Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about your life. Uh, so many people, they're, they're anxious about this, that, and the other, anxious about what they're going to eat, where, where their food's going to come from, especially in this day and time that Jesus is addressing these people as he's sitting there on the, the mount and he's, he's looking over the, the crowd who has gathered before him. So many of them, they didn't know where their next meal was going to come from. Now, we're going to have a big feast tonight, so, so we know that's coming. Most of us already have our, our lunch plans made, so we know that's coming. We don't typically worry about what we're going to eat uh, necessarily, but that was a big concern for them. Uh, we kind of just take it for granted. But we need to understand that God blesses us. He gives us the necessities of life. He gives us the necessities of life, the things that we need most, like food and clothing, clothing and, and so on and so forth. He blesses us with the very necessities of life. God provides, first of all, food. God provides food for our tables, food for our bellies. Notice what he says there in verse uh, 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? Now think about that. Think about that. The birds that, that fly around outside, they don't worry about where their next meal comes from. Right? They're not anxious about what they're going to eat. They're not anxious about what, where, where their meal is going to come from, the, the deer and all of that. They're not anxious about those things. They're not worried about those things. Why? Because they trust their creator to provide for them. They know he's going to take care of them. God provides for us. Now, God may not always provide steak and shrimp, right? It may not always be surf and turf, but he provides. I can remember when Marybeth and I first got married, we didn't have a whole lot, so surf and turf for us was tuna helper one night and hamburger helper the next. That was surf and turf. It wasn't much, and we kind of got sick of it. We don't like hamburger helper and, and tuna helper much these days, but God provided. Amen. Somebody else who has the same <laughs> sentiment there. Right? It may not always be steak and shrimp it, it may not always be exactly what we want it may be a bologna sandwich but god will provide for our needs he, he he will put food on our table if we trust him and we seek him god provides food he provides our clothing he provides our clothing notice what verses 28 uh, through 31 say I, I love this these verses Look what he says there. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor, nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, oh, rich Solomon, who, who had it all, Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith? You just think about the beautiful flowers. I, I know we're in fall, so the flowers aren't in bloom right now. But, but, but think about the flowers outside when they come up and, and how beautiful they are. And, and they're just awe-inspiring, right? We just, ah, oh, 
when all the flowers come in bloom, we, we see them and we think how beautiful, how wonderful they are. That's God's handiwork. He blessed the flowers of the field and, and, and gave them such beautiful clothing. How much more are we to God than, than the flowers of the field and the birds of the air? We are so much more to God than, than all of those things. God will clothe us. He will put the clothes on our backs again. Uh, you know, it may be clothing from Target instead of Gucci. That's Target, by the way, just uh, fancying it up, right? right. He, he may give us clothing from Target or, or Walmart, but uh, it may not be Gucci and Louis Vuitton or, or whatever those other people are out there, you know, all those other designers. It may not be always what we want. It may not always be what we want to wear, but God will provide. He will take care of us. He will put clothing on our backs if we only trust him and, and seek him. So God loves you. You are valuable in his sight. Know that, friend. Wherever you are in life, right, maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're young and, and you've you're got little ones there in the house and and you're, you're struggling to make ends meet. It's okay. Because you're valuable to God. He knows your struggles. He knows what you're going through. Press on and trust in the Lord. And the Lord will provide. He will provide. He will put food on your table. And he will give you clothes to wear. He will take care of you. God provides for our necessities. So don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Give thanks to God for his provision of all the necessities of life. So overcome anxiety by giving thanks to God for his uh, provision of necessities. Second, give thanks to God for his provision of life. For, for his very provision of life itself. Now think about this. God gave you life. He gave you life. He, he puts the breath of life in your, your lungs every minute, right? Every time you, God gives you breath. He gave you life. Now we talked about this a little bit last week as we talked about God giving being the creator of all things and the creator of our lives and and it's easy to kind of think that think of that in a general way like god created all of mankind he in the beginning right he said let there be a man and a woman and there they were they he formed them and created them but i want you to know more importantly that you individually god created you individually we see this in psalm 139 psalm 139 i love this this passage here psalm 139 verses 13 through 15 notice what it says here for you formed my inward parts you knitted me together in my mother's womb i praise you for i am, I am fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful are your works my soul, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my, my unformed substance. In your book 
were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Now think about that. From, <clears throat> for you formed me in my, you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I love what, what the psalmist, that, that terminology there. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Now, uh, some of you probably knit. There's probably some knitters in here. And, and my grandma used to knit all the time. And, and I would sit there as a, a little, little kid there and just watch her. And she tried to teach me and I never could learn. But, but she, she would knit and, and she took great care in every little loop or whatever you call it. I don't know the terminology. Uh, but, but with every, every stitch, right, she, she put care into it. And she made some, some beautiful afghans and just all kinds of stuff that she, she did every year. I mean, that was, we always knew there was something from Grandma that she knit every year at Christmas time. She was going to have us something. And she knitted it with such care. There was love in her heart as she was thinking about me and knitting my blanket or thinking about my brother and sisters and, and knitting their blankets. Uh, she, she took care to do that. There was love in that. And that's what God did with you. He knit you together. Intricately wove you together in your mother's womb. He created you. And he gave you life, not just in general mankind, you, dear friend, personally. God is personally invested in you. He loves you and cares for you. He gave you life. He gave you your very life. Furthermore, he determined your days. He determined your days. Look at that last verse there, verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. I want you to know, dear friend, that God not only created you and knitted you together in your mother's womb, but he also numbered your days. He wrote the book of your life before you were ever born. He set the days that you would live on this earth. He gave you life and he determined your days. So don't worry about COVID. Don't worry about the vaccine. Don't worry about all of these things that everybody is so worried about. You can't add a single day, Jesus says. You can't add a single day to your life by worrying. Because God has determined your days. And when your day comes, the day for your death comes, it doesn't matter what you're doing, where you are, or what you've been through. It's going to be your day. So why worry about that? Why worry? I mean, really, if God wants, if my day is tomorrow, guess what? It doesn't matter if it's through COVID or through a car wreck or through a heart attack. I'm going to drop dead tomorrow because God has determined my days according to his will and his plan. Or if he is determined for me to live 40 more years and drop dead of old age, then that's what's going to happen. And there's not a, a, a bit of, of sense in me worrying about, oh, when am I going to die? When's that day coming? 
Oh, I better not do this because, oh, that's kind of dangerous. Why worry about that? Oh, sure, we take care of ourselves. We want to take care of our health, and, and I'm all about taking care of my health. I want to be healthy and, and stay as strong and as fit as I can so that I can serve God to the best of my ability. That's my reason for doing that. And so we should take care of our health, but why are you worried about your day of death? God's determined that. He's given you life until he's determined that you won't have life here on earth anymore. But praise be to God, even after that, he offers a chance for eternal life if we trust in him. So there we go. We've got even less reason to worry about this life because if we trust in Christ, then we have eternal life waiting for us. And it's far better than this world. I mean, praise Jesus, right? To, to, live, to, live is for, to live for Christ, but to die is gain, Paul says in Philippians. So why worry? Why be anxious about life? Why be anxious about life? God has blessed us with life. He has given us our lives, and he has determined how long we will live for his glory and his name's sake. He has determined the day of our death. So trust in God. Praise God for the life that he has given you. God gave you life. Furthermore, God gave you purpose. God gave you purpose. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Uh, this is another great verse. But Jeremiah 1, 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, this verse applies specifically, right, specifically to Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet of the Lord. And as God is calling Jeremiah into the, the office of, a, of being a prophet, He's saying, here's my plan for you. I had a purpose for you. I formed you in the womb, and I, 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 before you were ever there, right, before you were ever formed in your womb, I had a purpose for you. You're going to be a prophet to the nations. That's Jeremiah specifically, but it also applies to each and every one of us generally. Like, God hasn't, made a, uh, hasn't purposed any of us to be a prophet like Jeremiah. That, that, that age is gone. That's no more. That office is no more. But he has determined a purpose for each and every one of us. Dear friend, I don't know where you are in life, what you've done in your past, where you are, who you are. I don't care how many people in your life have told you how sorry you are, how worthless you are. You are valuable to God. And before God ever formed you in your mother's womb, he had a purpose and a plan for your life. He loves you. He cares for you. You have a purpose. No matter what anybody else in your life has told you, God has a purpose for you. So praise God for the life that he has given you. And the purpose he has set before you. Give him thanks. Praise him. For his loving grace in your life. For providing life. For providing 
life, for giving you life and purpose. Praise God. Give God thanks. God loves you and he gives you, and he has given you life. He has planned every day of your life. Anxiety will never add to your day. God has planned them all. Furthermore, God has created you for a purpose. It does not matter what other people think of you, nor does it matter what you think of yourself. You are precious in the sight of God. And he designed you for a distinct purpose. So give him thanks for his provision of life. Overcoming, to overcome anxiety by giving thanks to God. You give thanks to God for his provision of necessities, for his provision of life. And third, give thanks to God for his provision of redemption. For his provision of redemption. Now we see this in verse 32 of our text. Notice what he says there, what Jesus says. For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Now, it's, it's implied here. The Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Now, Scripture shows us that there are two types of people in this world. There are those who, Gentiles, those who are outside of Christ, those who are not the people of God, they're pagans, right? They, they, they worship other gods, whether that be the gods of this world or themselves, they, they worship other gods. And then there's the cheap people of God, the children of God. Jesus is, is making that distinction here. The Gentiles who are outside the promises, Right? They have no hope of God. The Gentiles, the pagans in the world, they, they know they, they need these things. Right? They seek these things. But Jesus says, your heavenly Father. Because here's the distinction. You're a child of God. Your heavenly Father, who cares for you and loves you like a child, He knows that you need them, so why worry? Why be anxious? Ephesians chapter 2 shows us this more in depth. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 through, uh, through 16 here. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, that's all of us, because nobody, as far as I know, there's no uh, Jews in here who are uh, genetically a Jew. Therefore, that one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, all the promises of the Old Testament. You were strangers, aliens from that. Having no hope, and without God in the world. That's where we were. Before Christ, that's where we were. We had no hope. We were without God in the world. But now in Christ, Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, 
who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandment expressed in, in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the, the, killing the hostility. God has brought us near. We were aliens. We were strangers. We were separated from God. That was our condition before Christ. We were separated from God. We were without God, without hope in, in the world. Now, many of you here will remember the Berlin Wall. Right? The Berlin Wall, it was taken down my senior year. I, I can remember when it was taken down. But the Berlin Wall was a wall of separation, a wall of hostility. It was erected at the end of World War II as the uh, Russians, as the communists took over East Berlin. A and so they, they built that wall, the Berlin Wall, to separate communist Germany, communist Berlin, from the freed Berlin, West Berlin. It was a wall of hostility. It, it had barbed wire all across the top of it. There were gunmen who were guarding it, and if you tried to climb over the wall, they would shoot. It was a wall of hostility, and it separated the people of East Berlin to West Berlin. But in 1990, October 3rd, 1990, when the Cold War, War was ending, as peace was being made, the Cold War was ending, the wall came down. That wall of hostility that separated east from west came down and families were reunited once again. There was a wall of hostility between us and God because of our sin. Our sin, our rebellion against God. The only way that God can respond to our sin and our rebellion is, is with His righteous anger, His righteous wrath. There was a wall, wrath. His, his, there was a wall of hostility there between us and God because of our sin and rebellion against the holy God. But God, in His love and His grace, He brought down the wall. He sent His Son Jesus Christ to take down the wall of separation by dying on the cross for us in our place. He died for you. He died for your sins. He took your shame, your guilt. He put it on his own shoulders. He paid the price. And because of Jesus, that wall of separation that separated us from God was removed. It was annihilated. It was taken away. And if we trust in Jesus Christ, we, we know that we have been reconciled to God. Because of what God has done in Jesus, you have been reconciled, dear friend, dear Christian. If you've trusted in Jesus... If you've surrendered your life to Him, you have been reconciled. God provided that. You didn't take down that wall. You didn't earn it. You didn't pay for it. You did nothing. God took it down. 
through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. When Christ died on the cross for your sins, peace was made between God and you. When you came to faith in Christ and surrendered your life to Him, the wall of separation between God and you came down. You were reconciled to God. No, more, no longer an enemy of God, but a child of God. Maybe today you're still separated. Maybe you're still experiencing that separation. Perhaps today that wall of hostility still remains. But it doesn't have to. God has paid the price. He has made the provisions for terms of peace. He has accomplished the work of reconciliation. All, all you have to do is respond by trusting in Jesus Christ. Surrender to His terms of peace, right? Surrender to Christ. Receive His gift of reconciliation. And God removes that wall between you and Him. Oh, dear friend, if you are experiencing that wall, if there is still separation from you and God, don't wait, wait another second. There's nothing for you to do, nothing for you to say. Just turn to God. And receive the gift of reconciliation. Trust in Jesus. God loves you and he has demonstrated his love for you. And that while you were a rebellious sinner, dear friend, he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you. So that he might reconcile you unto himself. He provides redemption. He provides salvation. You only have to receive the gift. Trust in Jesus. So give thanks to God for providing necessities, life, and redemption. Now the question comes, how do you give th God thanks? How do you give thanks to God? And we see primarily one way in our text, primarily one way that Jesus shows us here that we Pursue God and give thanks to God. Primarily, give thanks to God by prioritizing your pursuit of God. Praise God. Give Him thanks by pursuing Him, making Him a priority, by prioritizing your pursuit of God. What does He say there in our verse? Verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Pursue God first. Make God your priority. Make your pursuit of God a priority. Now husbands, you, you know this. You can tell your wife over and over again, Oh honey, I love you. Oh honey, I love you. Dear, I love you, I love you, I love you. But you know what? If your actions don't match your words, those words are empty words. Your love, your I love you's are simply empty. They mean nothing. Your actions must match up with your words. And we can sit here and we can sing praises to God till, till the cows come home, right? We can sing praises all day long. But if our actions don't match our words, then our words, all of our praises, are useless. They're nothing. 
They're absolutely nothing. Thank you, God, for all that you have given. Now I'm going to go out here and I'm going to chase the things of this world instead of you. But thank you. Thank you for, 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 for providing all that I need, Lord, but now I'm going to go, go take my money and I'm going to spend all of it on me and, and, and I'm not going to give you any of the glory of it. I'm going to take all the accolades for all of my success. I'm not going to praise you for anything, but thank you. Right, we can say we love God all day long, but if our actions don't match our words, then our words are youth, useless. As James says, faith without good works is dead faith. You can say you believe in Jesus all day long, but if your actions don't demonstrate that you have faith in Jesus, then your faith is really nothing. You're no, you don't have faith. It's dead faith. We're not talking about works-based salvation, not at all. You're saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, period. That's it. But if that faith doesn't change your life, you can say, I follow Jesus all day long, but if your actions don't show that you follow Jesus, you don't really follow Jesus. Seek first God's kingdom, as Jesus says. Seek first God's kingdom. Seek God's kingdom. Matthew 6, 19, on down just a little bit further, or actually back a little, just a little bit, just a few verses there. Matthew 6, 19 through 21, Jesus says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and, need, where, and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Seek first God's kingdom. Pursue God. Pursue heavenly things. Man, we get so wound up and bound up in the things of this world. We pursue this hobby and that hobby and this other thing and that other thing and we, we just try to build up for ourselves and, and, and build up more toys, more toys, more toys and, and just have all that we can have in this world and some, so far too often we don't give a minute's thought about eternity. We don't think about what are we in, how are we investing in eternity. How are we using the gifts and talents that, talents that God has blessed us with to invest in eternity? To share Christ with others. To see other people enter into eternity with us. To see other people enter into God's kingdom with us. To tell other people about the wonders and the glory of God's kingdom. Invest in eternity. Seek first God's kingdom. Seek God. Seek Him and His kingdom. Pursue God first. Pursue God first. Seek God's kingdom and seek God's righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Now, how do we pursue God's righteousness? How do we pursue God's righteousness? I think Paul gives us a good image of that. Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, one of my favorite verses in Scripture. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. 
For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. All the things of this world, they're rubbish. They're dung in comparison to Jesus. And that I, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. It comes from works of law. But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. How do you pursue God's righteousness? Pursue Jesus. Pursue Jesus. Look for Jesus. Follow Jesus. Seek Jesus every day. Enter into his presence. Study the the Word of God so that you you come into the presence of Jesus. Pray so that you come into the presence of Jesus. Seek Jesus. Seek Him. For He is the righteousness of God. You know, it's only in Christ that we we gain the righteousness of God. He is the righteousness of God. So when we come to Christ in faith, guess what? He gives us his righteousness. We have no righteousness of our own. We are unrighteous in the sight of God. We have no righteousness. But by trusting in Jesus, seeking Jesus, following Jesus, we are gifted the righteousness of God, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He covers us, he covers us in his own righteousness. So seek Jesus, seek God's righteousness by seeking Jesus Christ, by trusting in him and surrendering your life to him. Listen, dear friend, you can sing wonderful songs, thanking God for all he he does for you. You can say the most elegant prayers of thanksgiving this Thanksgiving day, but if If obtaining worldly possessions continues to take priority over your relationship with God, anxiety will continue to plague your life. Overcome anxiety by giving thanks, by prioritizing your pursuit of God over everything else in your life. Pursuing God should take priority over pursuing your wife, pursuing your children, pursuing the worldly things of this world. Pursuing God should be your number one priority. Pursue God. Pursue His kingdom. Pursue His righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. Prioritize your pursuit of God. Prioritize your relationship with Christ. Make God your priority. Dear friend, give thanks to God by making God your number one pursuit and watch your anxiety fade away. Whatever you're anxious about, if you pursue God, if you pursue God, if you trust in Him, you follow Him, you find the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. The anxieties of this world, they fade away when we come into the presence of God. Now today, maybe you're anxious. Maybe you've been anxious about so many things. Maybe you're anxious about all of those things that we talked about, or some some are all of those things that we talked about at the beginning of the message. Maybe you're anxious. 
worried about this, that, and the other. And today you, you see that you need to repent of your anxiety. You need to hand, hand over all your anxieties to the Lord. And you just need to come and, and give Him praise. And in a moment, the, the altar will be open. I invite you to come and repent of your anxiety. Lay them at the foot of the cross. Lay them before Jesus. Let Him take them. Give them fully to Him. Or perhaps today you just want to give thanks to God. You want to thank Him for His wonderful blessings. And you want to come and do that. Then I invite you to come and do that. Or maybe today, maybe you just need to reconcile yourself to God. You need to be reconciled to God. You, you are an enemy of God. If you die today, you, you know you would not stand before God because you are an enemy of God. You've never trusted Him. You never surrendered your life to Jesus. Then I invite you today to come. Surrender to Christ today. Receive His gift of reconciliation. There's nothing for you to do but receive the gift. Receive it. And He will freely give it to you. Come today and be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we move towards Thanksgiving Day this week, Lord, let us not get so caught up in the feasting and the festing, Lord, that we forget to give you praise. We of all people of this world have the most to be thankful for. Because despite what, what, all that you provide for us, Lord, in addition to all that you provide for us on a daily basis, Lord, you have provided the great, greatest gift ever imaginable, eternal life in your Son, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we thank you and we give you praise for Jesus. Lord, if there are those today who have never trusted in Jesus, they are your enemies, but they can be reconciled. Lord, let them turn to Jesus today. Let them receive that gift of reconciliation so that they have something new to be thankful for this year. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.